This is Stu Epperson from the Truth Talk podcast, connecting current events, pop culture, and theology. And we're so grateful for you that you've chosen the Truth Podcast Network. It's about to start in just a few seconds. Enjoy it, and please share it around with all your friends. Thanks for listening, and thanks for choosing the Truth Podcast Network. This is the Truth Network. Kingdom Pursuits, where you hear from ordinary people instilled with an extraordinary passion. Together we explore the stories of men and women who take what they love and let God turn their passion into Kingdom Pursuits. Now, live from the Truth Booth, your host, Robbie Dillmore. Wow, for such a time as this, we have such an amazing show lined up for you today. I'm so excited because... We have a whole host of folks in here today, <laughs> led by actually somebody that's related to us in here in the Truth Network. We have Victoria Fonville and Chelsea Smith and Christopher Fedkew, all with a pro-life. I'll let them explain. Victoria, why don't you tell us more about your organization? Yeah, so um, we are an extension of Students for Life of America. Our group is called pro-life future of the triangle and we are a group that exists for young adults who are post-grad so they can join us you don't have to be a student and um, we do some pro-life work in the raleigh chapel hill and durham area and chelsea my understanding is you're actually the president of that yeah so i'm the president of the group as well as the community organizer for what's called the abortion free cities campaign in chapel hill um, and so that's kind of the main thing we have going on where we're, you know, kind of grassroots efforts, specifically in Chapel Hill, um, yeah, working on this cause. And so for such a time as this, right, Victoria, like, can you give us the latest update on what you're seeing there at the Supreme Court? Oh, man, yeah. So that's been the the hot take uh, lately. So we are cautiously optimistic. Um, obviously, you know, it was a, a leaked opinion, which is unheard of. And um, we do want to see Roe v. Wade be overturned. Um, but right now we're just, um, we're still trying to, you know, continue our efforts um, despite what may or may not happen. Uh, oh, yeah, there's a big, 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 big job ahead of us. Yeah. Regardless of of where that comes down so i'm very excited to have you all on today and then we also have matt with us who's with christian history um institute christian history magazine and matt you guys just did an article uh the christian experience of divine healing and so our culture could use some divine healing it sounds like but <laughs> welcome matt thank you sir appreciate it i'm so glad um you're just joining christian history magazine from what i understand Yes, this is uh, true. I became a representative of Christian History Institute not too long ago with the aid of uh, the former um, uh, representative, Michael Austin. Yeah, he's a good friend of mine, so I'm looking forward to have you on, Matt. But you know, it's close to Mother's Day, and you knew Robbie was going to do this. So, uh, Carmen was all set. (laughs) So, speaking of Mother's Day, I've got quite a few for you, Carmen, so get ready. They're going to come rapid fire here. So... You know, why is the computer so smart, right? Because it listens to its motherboard. You've been wondering about that, yeah. Why do you, what do you call a mom who can't draw? You would call her Tracy. 
Just saying. (laughs) (laughs) So why did the cookie cry? Because his mother was away for so long. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And why did the baby strawberry cry? You may have been wondering that one, Christopher. Well, because his mom was in a jam. These things happen. (laughs) Right, Carmen? Yeah? Yeah. So what did the mama say to her foal? Right? It's past your bedtime. You have to be a horse person to understand that one a little bit. Past past your bedtime, okay. So what did the mommy spider say to her baby spider? Got any idea, Christopher? He said you've been, or she said, you've been spending way too much time on the web. That's what happens with it. <laughs> this is an oldie but a goodie. What did the mother broom say to the baby broom? Along those same lines, it's time to go to sweep. And I do love this one, Carmen. My mother said, you won't amount anything because you procrastinate. She said, you won't amount to anything because you procrastinate. I said, oh, yeah? And she said, just you wait. (laughs) (laughs) That one took me a minute. (laughs) All right. So this one is not... Totally a pun, but I think really good. My mother gave me the greatest gift anyone could ever give another person. She believed in me. Wow, faith. But more than that, she gave me a belief in Christ, which was even better than that. So all mothers have intuition, and great mothers, Carmen, they have radar. Did yours have radar? Yes. (laughs) So at three years old, you said, Mommy, I love you. At 10 years old, you said, Mom, whatever. At 16, and all my daughters did this. Mom, you're so annoying. (laughs) At 18, Mom, I'm leaving this house. Mm. (laughs) At 25, Mom, you were so right. (laughs) At 50, I don't want to lose my mom. And at 70, I would give anything, right, to have my mom right here with me. So that's kind of cool. Do you like that, Carmen? Yes, I do. So you knew at the end of all those shenanigans, I actually would have a Bible riddle, and I have one I love today. So here we go. So here is a Robbie I pun that's not cornea. (laughs) (laughs) Which mother in the Bible had weak eyes? But she was an eyewitness to 12 pupils. (laughs) (laughs) No answering on your blood. People can't call it and win if you give one. (laughs) 866-348-7884. You can call in and win. And if they do that, Carmen, tell them what they'll win. They'll win one of our marvelous prizes from the Kingdom Pursuit Prize Vault. So never mind what you might have heard Matt say a minute ago. That, that Just call in with your answer. 866-348-7884. 866-34-TRUTH. So I am really like Victoria Fonville. I have to first of all tell everyone that her father was the original host of Truth Talk Live here on the Truth Network. That, right, John? And uh, is now Pastor John, right? Yeah, yeah. He's a pastor down in Jacksonville, Florida, Paramount Church. Um, So if you're down there, be sure to check it out. Uh, They meet Sundays at 1030. So those of us who listened to the Truth Network for a long, long time, I remember John was, before Stu, was the host of Truth Talk Live. And so do you remember those days? Was your dad... I'm going to be honest, I was so young. I don't remember those days. Those were before my time. Well, it was had to be 20 years ago or more, right? Yeah, yeah. probably. That was 
yeah, and I so I'm I'm 24 and <laughs> you were four. And yeah, yeah. There you go. So you, did you remember living in Winston? But you guys moved to Florida, right? We did. We moved to Florida when I was about seven, seven years old. Uh, so I I remember living in Winston Salem, though. I mean, I loved it. It's a great place. And, and so those of you who know Stu, Victoria is his niece, right? Because yeah. um, her mother is of Stu's sister. So yes. that's, that's how that works. See how mm-hmm. I got these family things together. Chelsea, I introduced. I, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, very important, right, that they were pro-life because otherwise well, we would none of us be here, Chelsea. Oh, 100%. So yeah. h- how did you get involved in pro-life? Yeah, so I feel like I personally always just felt like being pro-life was the right thing, but I didn't really, I wasn't involved in anything. Um, and then in college, I, I met some friends that were very involved in um, some work at a local pregnancy help center. And with volunteering with them, I realized what women were actually going through and just, you know, what actually the abortion industry was like. And that's when I was like, okay, I can't, you know, ignore this anymore. I need to do something about it. Mm-hmm. So did you ever in your wildest dreams anticipate that someday you would be the president of, of this kind of a organization? I, I definitely did not expect to be, you know, in Chapel Hill doing this work with these awesome people. Um, yeah, definitely not. I was president of the undergrad club at Pitt, and that was awesome. But I can't say that I really knew where it was going to go after that. And it's really cool to be part of this campaign now in Chapel Hill. So you were president of the undergrad program at Pitt? Really? Mm-hmm. University of Pittsburgh, yeah. Really? So obviously you went to Pitt? It's, yep, yeah. I did. Yeah, I went to Pittsburgh. So wow. And, and Victoria, you went to some different colleges, right? Because of your swimming career. Yeah, so I started out at Oklahoma Baptist University. And then I uh, transferred to NC State. Um, and, and I was in athletics. I was a swimmer. <laughs> yeah, seven-time All-American in, in Division Two swimmer. Like, not just a swimmer. Yeah. <laughs> just unbelievable. So we got a lot more coming from Matt. We barely heard from him. We haven't even heard yet from Christopher. So, so much more. Kingdom Pursuits coming up. Stay tuned. And if you've got that answer about my cornea joke, 866-34-TRUTH. <laughs> Welcome back to Kingdom Pursuits, where we hear how God takes your passion and uses it to build the kingdom. We're so blessed to have with us this whole group from the future of the Triangles Pro-Life Organization with Victoria Fonville, Chelsea Smith, the president, and Christopher Fedcue, as well as Matt Christian, and he he coincidentally works for Christian History Institute and Christian History Magazine. So were all those named after you, Matt? (laughs) <laughs> I would like to think so, but no, they were not. <laughs> okay, I just thought I'd throw that out there. But anyway, Matt. So how did how did you you met Michael and he he hooked you into being to come to work for the Christian History Institute? Yeah, yeah. We um, Michael Austin, my father, are good friends, and he um, was thinking he should probably think about transitioning at some point. He still works for Christian History Institute and things. He was thinking about transitioning eventually somebody into his position as he's getting a little bit older and wants to kind of have a legacy uh, with that. And uh, my father, who knows my um, background in terms of loving and knowing Christian history and things about the Bible and things surrounding the Bible, thought it would be a good fit because in this position I'd be able to learn more and talk about uh, very interesting things about Christian history to 
many different people. Well, oh, that begs the question, Matt. What what do you find the most interesting in Christian history? Well, I mean, that's a really good question. Um, obviously, probably, <laughs> maybe what I would say is uh, the Christ is obviously the most interesting um, throughout that, and seeing him work through the ages uh, through his people, I would say, is the most interesting, which ironically is the same thing as Christian history, but to me, seeing that thread um, throughout space and time is really quite special. And and what's really, for me, like I could just spend hours and hours and hours and hours immersed in seeing how every single letter, every single jot, every single, every single story points to Jesus. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, every single one of them. And it's just this morning I was lo- looking at Jacob and and uh, Rachel, their shenanigans there, um, with all the you know switching around that got happened with Leah. And do you remember when when Jacob met Rachel? What happened was he rolled away the stone from the mouth of of the what the well. Yeah. Right. Yep. So, and it, you know it's it's not like somewhat of a hint of the fact that a big stone would get rolled away from the mouth of the well. <laughs> it's like, here, we're painting a picture for all of you who understand that the idea of rolling away a stone is going to be there. So, I mean, the whole thing is like, I think we're going to spend eternity just marveling at the way that God painted this picture in so many different ways. Um, and, and then you get a chance to see that with the Christian History Institute in just beautiful ways. So since you've joined them well i'm going to switch gears like i can do when i want to so <laughs> obviously christian history is getting rewritten right this minute through what's going on with roe versus wade and hopefully a great deal of prayer and all this so we also have uh christopher fedq who's with we haven't had a chance to hear from so christopher christopher tell us your your take on the current events that are making history uh, well, I'm with Victoria. Where uh, she says that we're cautiously optimistic. Uh, you know, it's never happened where a leak like this has come out from the Supreme Court, and uh, we we are really, really we want you know this decision to go through with uh, you know overturning Roe v. Wade, and so we we look at it with. Uh, you have a great what, radio voice, by the way. Uh, thank, thank you, thank you. I appreciate just, just that. Deep voice, like <laughs> first to- going- first time on the radio. Uh, I'm going, oh wow, you're making me feel so at home here. Amazing. Uh, yeah, so we're cautiously optimistic. Yes. And, and so, when are you? Do you have any expectation of when we're going to know? I, I believe that the the decision was supposed to be released. It was in. Uh, is, uh, uh, they originally said June, July. Um, I think the next like possible day, because there's days that courts give out decisions, would be May 16th. But we really don't know. They could. It might not come it, out. I'm not sure. Yeah, if yeah. they're gonna what they're gonna do with that now. Right. And with that, with that, um, what do you see as the next step for organization like your like? There's a lot of wor- unbelievable amounts of work to be done to bring awareness to that just that they overturn this is not the end of the battle by anybody's stretch of the imagination, right? Yeah, if, uh, you know, it'll just go back to the states. Uh, there'll be no federal protection anymore, but it'll still go back to the states, so then we'll still have work to do within the states and focus on the states more, uh, you know. And so um, how do you see your guys' role in that, Chelsea? 
Yeah, so our campaign has really been preparing for this moment. You know, we didn't even know that this case was going to happen when the campaign started. Um, but we're do really just doing grassroots efforts. So everything from connecting churches, pregnancy resource centers, to even going door to door and just talking to people about um, what pregnancy resources are available, why life matters, and getting their thoughts and just truly even listening to them and hearing where our community's at and what, what they think and, yeah, really grassroots and just person-to-person connection. So, Victoria, how about you? What do, where do you see, you know, you, your role in this organization going? Yeah, so I, I definitely think our biggest role is to to educate people on the resources that are available because there are resources for women. Um, they can receive help. Um, they can choose life because of the resources that have been put in place. And for just what we do in Raleigh and Chapel Hill, um, our our biggest mission right now, I would say, is to make those resources available to people. Uh, Chelsea mentioned we go door to door and we do that. We have pamphlets that we give people um, and we work with a nonprofit called Standing With You. And you can check it out, standingwithyou.org. And they have, you can put in your zip code, it's really cool. And wherever area you're at, and just so many resources will pop up. If you're a woman in need and you don't know where to go uh, for help, uh, it's a great resource that you can utilize to to get that help. Because like as Christopher mentioned, it's gonna go back to the states and some states are going to completely outlaw abortion. Some states will not. Of course, we want all states. We want it to. We want to see it completely outlawed because it's a. It's. It's so yeah, horrible I, thing. I, you know, it's, in my role, you know, over the years, I've had a chance to interview so many different people. And one time, I had a um, mandate to go to the Christian um, counselors convention that had. And they wanted me to interview 100 counselors in one weekend. And so as I was doing those interviews, everybody that was interviewing people for, for abortion stuff, you know, that, that was involved in counseling and those things, guess what? Every one of them had their own story, male and female, mm-hmm. of an abortion in their life. And oh my goodness, what horror, what guilt, what pain, mm-hmm. what suffering, um, all these things are bringing. And, but most you know, have no idea when they go into this process of what they could be starting, you know, when they, when they, when they are making these choices. So Mm -hmm. I just think it's, it's, it's amazing because, you know, honestly, when an old guy like me talks, ain't so many people going to (laughs) listen, but you know, you guys, right. Obviously, you you know, in your twenties and college age, you know, people, you're their peers. Yeah. Yeah, when we're we're on the sidewalk outside of abortion clinics or anywhere like that, the people we see are our age, you know, and that's who we relate to the most. And yeah, really just trying to connect to our peers. And so, Matt, I sense the same thing with you. Like, how cool is it that you're here with Christian History Magazine, and and you're a lot younger than Michael Austin, by the way. It sounds like, as yeah, uh, yeah. and 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 you know, I love that in Psalm one nineteen it says His faithfulness is done to all generations, right? He established the earth, and it abideth. And so here comes this next generation, right, <laughs> of Christian History Institute. And I imagine that you can relate to the younger people and, and think of ways to engage them in this idea of Christian history, right? 
Yeah, yeah. There's just a lot of things that are so special and so unique that a lot of people don't realize, whether it be through how we how we have church, why there are different like denominations and things. And I think it can shed a lot of light onto problems today, either even controversies like that go back to the first and the first to fifth century about the deity and the nature or the um, kind of the person of Christ, discussions on that that can answer so many questions of today, even in regards to the Trinity as well. So on this subject of abortion and pro-life, you know, historically this is not a new thing, is it? No, it is not. It is, um, as far as I, I know, that's the part of history that I would say I'm not super familiar with. I think the pro-life group might be a little bit more cognizant of that, but it went back to, I believe, in 19... 19- 72, I think, uh, with Roe v. Wade, and it really desecrated um, the nature of human life and the fact that people were degraded not having the image of God. Now, unfortunately, it goes back clear, way, way, it probably goes back to even um, the idolaters in Abraham's time and that, but we know for sure um, in the time of Egypt that they were worshiping Baal, and, and they were literally burning those babies in the fire. I mean, like, oh, my goodness. And it was just, you know, a way almost to promote, to promote you know, open sexuality. Like, it's not all that different, really, is it, that, you know, all these people were brought into this in an idea of, oh, it was free love, even in those days, right? Because, you know, yeah. we all have the same urges that we had back then. And yeah. and so it's it's an amazing thing how, you know, apparently God keeps facing these <laughs> same <laughs> struggles. Like here we go right. again. I thought we you know put a lid on this baby, but yeah. um, you know, Solomon it, def- yeah, Solomon definitely said it best when it says there's no nothing new under the sun. In those days, we um, people sacrificed to gods with names, but now we sacrifice, unfortunately, these children to ourselves, where we view ourselves as gods. Oh, it's so awesome. Well, thank you, Matt. We will be right back with a whole lot more from Victoria, Chelsea, and Christopher and Matt. So stay tuned. we got so much more Kingdom Pursuits. Oh, by the way, nobody has called with my cornea answer. And we have a prize to give away, really, something from the Truth Prize Vault, 866-348-7884-III. Welcome back to Kingdom Pursuits, where we hear how God takes your passion and uses it to build the kingdom. And I am so excited because we have a Riddler on the line. We have Rob is in Greensboro. He has an answer for my cornea. I, 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 I joke. Rob, you're on the Kingdom Pursuits. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I love your name. <laughs> <laughs> I, I definitely love that. So anyway, who who do you think it was that um, that she had twelve pupils? You know, she had weak eyes. Who might that be? That was Leah. You are correct. <laughs> You're absolutely correct. Did you know? I was just just fun facts to know and learn. I actually did a podcast this morning on Leah. That the reason that the Jews teach in the midrash that that her eyes were weak is that they were they were. Um, identical twins, Leah and Rachel. And when they were born to, to Laban, sort of the trickster, that everyone knew that there was a perfect match for them that was Esau and Jacob. <clears throat> so Leah 
knew that she was supposed to marry Esau, and she wept and wept and wept and wept because this guy was marrying these foreign women. He was a wild man. And so because her eyes were weak, she couldn't go out in the sun to tend the sheep, which is why Rachel was tending the sheep. Isn't that amazing? Is that really true? (laughs) Well, it's what, you know, the only history that we have other than the Bible to go on is is written in the Jewish oral tradition and then written down after Babylon. So that is a a real oral oral tradition. I did not know that. That's very interesting. Actually, yeah, there's lots of places you can go to get the information. And yeah, I find it fascinating. Again, what I know is that, that clearly, you know, there was a big shenanigan, right? And that, Lab- and that Leah pretended to be her sister. And, and really cool, in that same teaching, since I'm on a roll. I had always heard that her weak eyes were a reflection of the fact that she was not as attractive. Yeah. Uh, if, if they were identical twins, they were both babes. I'm just saying. But anyway. <laughs> okay. Very so, interesting. So it, 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 yeah. the, the neat thing that, that I think is actually helpful is that when Jacob found out, according to the same teaching that, that's written in several different sources, by the way, in the Midrash, that when J- Jacob found out that Leah had deceived him, he woke up yelling, right? He was mad when he woke up, and it wasn't Rachel in the bed with him. And he could tell by the weak eyes at this point in time. And he said, you are a deceiver and the daughter of a deceiver. And she said, oh, and you're not? Was it not your what father? Around, comes around. <laughs> <laughs> and then, he, of course, he goes to Laban and says, you know, what's up with the shenanigan? And he goes, well, in our country, we don't do it like you do it. Right? He said, in our country, the firstborn gets the, you know, gets the goodies, however that works. So... You know, it really is a sad commentary on the on the the result of sin. Yet God redeemed it all because these are our grandparents, man. Right? Mm-hmm. Amen. It's beautiful. Thank you, Rob. I appreciate you getting that and letting me on be on a roll for a while. I'm I'm thinking a lot about this stuff lately. <laughs> well, thank you for letting me come on your program. I I enjoyed calling in. And we're looking forward to your prizes that, that Carmen's going to pick out for you in here just a minute. Thanks for calling. Thanks, Rob. God bless. Thanks for listening. All right. So I've been thinking about this. Like, man, um, let's go to to um, Christopher here. So Christopher, you, you had you had, we were talking about Abby Johnson during the break, and you had said you'd watch the movie Unplanned, and it really made an impact on you. I'm wondering before that, what made an impact on your actual life for you to 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 say, "Man, God is I want to follow God." What happened there? Well, uh, so my faith is a big portion of it. I'm Catholic, uh, and I'd always been you know pro life, but like. I guess I just had never thought of myself like needing to take action on this. And that's where seeing that the movie Unplanned kind of like it, it touched my heart and kind of put a little seed in there to say, hey, I really should start taking action in my life. It's worth my time to uh, to, you know, learn more about this. And right, because the Abby Johnson story, if you're familiar with it, it was the Catholics that were out there. I mean, it was 40 Days for Life. That's who was out there praying for Abby Johnson. And, you know, the fruit of the pudding or the proof of the pudding was in the eating right there. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you know, these prayers are obviously the, the oh, my goodness, 
if 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 Roe versus Wade does get overturned, you can't say that what happened with Abby Johnson and Forty Days for Life didn't have a huge um, effect on it. And so, yeah, yeah. So with your Catholic faith, it's okay. I'm I'm, I'm I love it. Tell me about that. Uh, yeah. So I I'm cradle Catholic, uh, but uh, I grew up in a way that kind of I under understand the importance of what my faith. Uh, the points of it in my life. So I was kind of like a fallen away Catholic for, uh, until about 2018, I came back to the church and I, uh, have been, uh, so what happened? If you don't mind, I just like digging. What, what happened? Uh, I I was searching for meaning in a lot of areas, uh, in my life that all I found was emptiness. And, uh, eventually I came up like with the, going on the faith that wasn't planted in me uh i know what i'm doing now is not working for me in my life i am 100 percent sure of that i do know i'm still catholic i I just have not been practicing so i'm gonna make uh a conscious decision to you know go back start going back to church become more involved and try to approach my faith in a way that i'd never really experienced growing up and so that's what i started doing in about 2018 and it's been the easily the smartest decision I'm in my life uh, in terms of the track that my life has gone on. You know, in the 100 and... Um, no, it's actually the 16th Psalm where it says, the sorrows of those who chase after other gods will be multiplied. <laughs> 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 Just saying that God kind of rigged the world so that we do when we go searching for meaning. You know, you're not going to find it any place but actually... In, in your faith in Christ. I mean, it's just where it's going to happen. And I think it's absolutely beautiful that, that he got your attention at such a young age where, you know, you're not like me. I was 30 some odd years old before I he got my attention. But the same thing, shenanigans all over the place, make Jacob look like an amateur. <laughs> but, but anyway, um, how about you, Chelsea? How I found my faith? Yeah. Yeah, for me, I was also raised in a Catholic household, but like Christopher, kind of, it wasn't really something I took into my life. Like, I just had been to church, you know? Um, And then uh, in undergrad, I had a friend that was like, hey, I lead a Bible study. Will you come to it? So I was just going to support him. It wasn't really, you know, anything I was looking for. Um, And I met these people that were talking about their personal relationship with Jesus, and they were just like people I had never met before. Like, I was just amazed by how like joyful they were and I was just then so curious about like what is this that they have I don't know what it is but I want that and so that kind of through college just kind of set me on that journey of trying to figure it out and really making faith like the most important thing in my life that's just isn't that spectacular yeah I mean it's God is so it's so really good I wonder about you Matt how about you when did you uh, have that moment where you was like well I've been shenanigizing and I need to that's a good question yeah in my personal life it's been mostly a matter of um, understanding I would say I started I grew up in a very Christian home where uh, the Bible the truth and apologetics as well as all the hard questions of life were asked so it's really for me been mostly a journey of discovery I knew who Jesus was and I knew um, kind of what he stood for and all those sorts of things but I guess maybe kind of the time where I um, really became, took the reins of my faith is when I was starting to think about when I was 
uh, going to go to college, what I was going to study, what I was going to do with the rest of my life. And I really thought that I had to make it my own in order for it to be real, uh, because you can only hold, hold so long <laughs> with your parents' faith as well. So I guess that's kind of when I took my faith seriously. Wow, that's beautiful, Matt. Thank you. Thank you for Christian History Institute, Christian History Magazine. Again, um, Victoria, I'd like to give you, you know, you've got a, about 20 seconds. You're a radio family. You Give us something to close us out with. Oh, wow. Okay. The pressure's on. Um, I don't know. Just uh, thank you so much for having us on your show. Um, we're always happy to share about what we're doing. And check us out. Check us out in the Raleigh Chapel Hill Durham area. Welcome back, <clears throat> because every once in a while, Robbie forgets that he has one more segment, and I did this time. <laughs> well, that's all good, because this gives me an opportunity to hear from Victoria, which is where I was trying to get, um, as, a, as I'd had that time <laughs> with Christopher and whatever. So everybody got to hear stories, but nobody got to hear, because I know your family's faith, I know your father's faith, but I've never had a chance to hear about yours. Uh, yeah, yeah, I... Yeah, so you know, and I, I grew up uh, in a Christian household, and I was raised that way. And my both of my parents, um, they they were always very, very intentional about teaching us about the Bible, and I really appreciate that. Maybe when I was younger, I didn't I didn't realize how much I would appreciate it, but now as I'm as I'm getting older and I'm out in the world, um, I really uh, having that foundation is just invaluable. Um, so I went off to college and, um, was swimming, I mean, you know, cause here, you know, to, to know your story, swimming was like, man, everything. Yeah. That's kind of what happened. Uh, it, it really was. And it, it was sneaky because I didn't even realize it until I had some good success. And then all of a sudden I started not having as much success and that was, devastating but for something I, but that's when i realized like okay this shouldn't be that devastating um where does my hope truly lie where does my security and my identity truly lie and so um through that i just my last two years of swimming and i was at state i really had to learn those lessons like where does my identity lie and i realized my identity lies in jesus um and and so it was a it was a good journey, but I definitely had to experience failure to get there. Um, I know that feeling. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's not a fun lesson, but it's a good one, and and I'm I'm thankful for it. And God really brought some awesome people into my life uh, through NC State, um, my two best friends, and they're Christians. And so it was, yeah. I mean, it's been a long journey, but I I definitely. Um, have learned that God does, sometimes he does use hardships and, and pain to bring us closer to him. And so that's kind of what's been going on in my life. You know, it's really neat. Um, this week I was looking at the, the Hebrew word for judgment, which was misput. And when you look at that word in Hebrew, um, the letters, each letter in the Hebrew language is a picture of something. And, and so the first letter in that word is a mem, which is the 
Messiah, or it means more to a great deal extent. It also could mean water. But the idea of judgment is guess who's on the throne? Um, that would be Jesus. <laughs> mm-hmm. The second letter is a shin, which is the idea of fire or refining, right? So that makes sense with judgment. Like, okay, Jesus is on the throne and I'm getting refined. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then those are the, the, the letters that jump out to as judgment. The third one that just grabbed me this week, I always knew it, but I hadn't really put it into perspective. The third one is the letter pay, which is literally the face of God. And so the point that, it, that, it, that all of a sudden just showed up to me was like, his face is in the fire, if you'll turn to that face. In other words, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't get cooked because... Right? They turn to face the face in the fire. Right? He's yeah. there. Mm-hmm. And and so when you look when you hear it, you can hear misput. So you hear the mem, you hear the shin, and that p sound is the is the pay. And then you hear this t at the at the end, misbut. Mm-hmm. Well that, that last letter is the letter Tav. And and you may have heard that idea of Tav in the Bible is goodness, right? So mm-hmm. he is gonna He's going to heat you up in the fire so that you'll turn your face towards him like 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 Christian I want to keep on to call him Justin it could be his new name when he gets to heaven <laughs> and when Christopher said that he heats us up in the fire of swimming or you know whatever our situation is so we'll turn to him because mm-hmm. he is going to bring out the goodness and you've heard this right that he heats up the fire of the silver until the silversmith you know skims off the dross and can see his own reflection and to some extent, right, that's what he's doing through abortion, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Right? There's a lot of judgment going on with that. And, and so getting back to, you know, working directly with our state, you guys being in Raleigh, it does seem like for such a time as this, you're right where you need to be with that. Uh, right, Chelsea? Oh, definitely. Yeah, we are mm-hmm. in a place where uh, not only do women – need the support we're trying to offer, but there are laws being made that really matter. Right. And you guys are right there where we yep. can <clears throat> lobby and, and do things as, as, as our state will obviously, you know, you can see the fire burning, mm-hmm. right? Immediately, mm-hmm. if this gets mm-hmm. overturned, there's going to be people marching on Raleigh trying to get a law to make this happen in North Carolina. And it's really a beautiful thing to think, wow, here's a group of young people, Right. You know, you guys have more power than you think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because because you represent the next generation. So thank you all so much for being with us and for sticking with us for this last segment that I didn't <laughs> know was coming. And that's why my producer was sitting in her post. So <coughs> <laughs> meanwhile, encouraging prayers coming up with James Banks. It's on Mother's Day as well as, oh, Masculine Journeys on Mother's Day. And then Nikita, oh, you got so much truth coming at you on the Truth Network. Stay tuned. This is The Truth Network.